And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the youth minister. And Maya is not with us on the podcast. Who? Maya. <laughs> I'm like, Maya I'm right here, us. David. <laughs> I, I just said my intro. No, Maya is not here. <laughs> She's a liar. <laughs> I don't know what imposter. you think you're hearing, but it's not Maya. Right. right. Okay, let me try that again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the director of faith formation here at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the youth minister. And Jackie is not with us on the podcast today, uh, but she will be with us for next week's podcast. But we have another listener email to get to uh, on this week's episode of the podcast which is for the week of Advent 4, coming out on December 23rd, the Sunday before Christmas. And uh, we had an email question from Hannah last week, and Hannah has another question for us. She actually sent us a few questions in that one email. So we're going to answer another one of her questions. And if you have any questions, you can send them to us uh, to our email address, faith2go at stpaulcathedral.org. That's faith to go one word at S-T-P-A-U-L-C-A-T-H-E-D-R-A-L dot org. And whenever we get a listener question, we will open the podcast uh, with the answer to that question. Um, so this one is, again, about uh, preparation for Christmas and Advent. And so Hannah's question is, how can we really, really is in all capitals, how can we really prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus at Christmas time? What does that mean? Meditate every day? Think about what Jesus looked like as a tiny newborn baby? Hang out with cousins you only see once per year? What does that mean, really, to prepare your hearts for Jesus coming at Christmas? So, um, good question. Good question. Because we have been talking a lot about practices, being prepared, being open, being like growing in awareness in this Christmas season. And um, to me, the short answer to the question is um, we can't. Well, that's disappointing. How can we really pre- how can we really prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus at Christmas time? Isn't one of our podcast names being prepared? Yeah, it is. Oh. Um, but I wouldn't say that Advent is like we have four weeks every year where we get prepared, and then one day where Jesus comes, and we have to be prepared on that day, or else we have to wait all the way to the next right. year. You messed that up. Advent is our invitation to recognize the way that we take part in that expectant expectant waiting that Mary took part in in her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. That that pregnancy is the shape our spiritual journey there takes. We go. You know, because it's one it is one of constant expectation. It's not just expectation in Advent, mm-hmm. but like exp- expectation and preparation all the time. Right, you and know? and like if we're gonna go with the pregnancy metaphor and imagery it's what are you like in pregnancy you know you take vitamins you go to certain classes what are we doing proactively it's not pregnancy isn't just the birth so what are we supposed to do to kind of engender and further this process and this waiting and how how are we going to prepare for the next stage in the next era what are we doing Mm -hmm. to nourish this pregnancy in a way you know it's like what what steps are we taking Mm -hmm. you know are we you know, refraining from certain things. Are we proactively doing other things? Yeah. And I've, I, it, when Hannah's question made me think of when my wife Mary Lynn was pregnant 
and people would say... Oh, with George. With George, As who I am holding right now. The George Pan, yes. Van Diagram. And, star. And people would say, you know, very kindly, are you prepared? Do you guys have everything ready? Are you ready? And I, to the very last day before he was born, would say, I have no idea. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I don't, looking back on it now, there is no way to be prepared. Right. Like, you can have all of your stuff set up. You can have your baby clothes bought. You can have your crib. You can have your room picked out at the hospital you, and, and have your due date even. Right, your birthday like, playlist. like, none of that, it's all actually just about, like, being open to what is actually happening mm-hmm. and letting go of what you expected it to be like. But really what we're doing when we're talking about, like, practicing expectation and practicing awareness is becoming aware of the present moment right now, mm-hmm. whenever that moment is, whether it's in at what's, whether it's during Advent in December or during the season after Pentecost in July. Like this is something that we're doing all the time, all the time, all the time. And one thing, the other thing that I would say is that that what the seasons of the church year and the festivals of the church mm-hmm. year also show us is that this is like a multi-layered journey that we're always going on because you know what is interesting is that the feast of the annunciation which is part of the story that we would include in advent of the angel gabriel coming to mary the feast of the annunciation is in march it's march 25th Mm -hmm. because that's nine months before december 25th right right but march 25th is almost always in the middle of lent right (laughs) you know so it's like it's like we have these different seasons to to emphasize and remind ourselves of different intentions on our journey of faith, of our spiritual journey. But it's not that we stop doing, we only do one at a time. We're kind of doing all of them all the time. You know, there are practices to do. Mm -hmm. There are, but they are, they are the spiritual practices that we would talk about doing all the time, whether it's Lectio Divina, some kind of scripture reading, some kind of meditation practice or contemplation. We're not going to say don't do that in February. Yeah. And I think that we can do that and have it and have it have different intentions throughout the year. But we're always what we're always invited to do in terms of practice is to take on things that open up space for God to help us become aware of these all these parts of ourselves, all these different things in our lives where God is moving and where sometimes there is an invitation to grow deeper or there is an invitation to recognize Christ in us, you know. And the thing is that maybe December 25th, next Tuesday, will come and you won't recognize Christ anywhere. Yeah. You know, that's entirely possible. All we're doing as a community, though, is recognizing that Christ is going to be recognized sometime in each one of our lives. And this is how we do it. It's through this, like, pregnant feeling of expectation. And so maybe, maybe the next time you recognize Christ will be on February 3rd. It's Christmas. Or March 5th. Or June 6th, or whatever, but you'll be able to know that this Advent journey and this Christmas experience and this hopeful expectation is part of your journey all the time. It's part of all of our journeys all the time. So, thank you again to Hannah for her questions. Yes. Uh, Please, if you have any questions, send them to us and uh, we will answer them on the next podcast. They can be about anything, they could be about questions about one of the resources that you use at home they could be questions about something we say in the podcast they could be comments or stories from your conversations about faith throughout the week but if you have them send them to faith to go at stpaulcathedral.org and we'll make sure to answer them on the next podcast uh so we are going to move on to the gospel
Just like every week, those Faith to Go resources that you can use uh, with your families if you have any children or other people that you'd like to use those Faith to Go resources with during the week. Uh, those Faith to Go resources are found on the website at www.myfaithtogo.org. And like every week, they're based on the gospel. And so the gospel for this Sunday, which is Advent 4 in year C, is Luke 1, 39 to 55. So I'm going to read the gospel, and then we'll each uh, take some time to highlight a point. Jackie did send a point to us as a highlight. So this is Luke 1, 39 to 55. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the, is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Okay, so we have this story from the first chapter of Luke's Gospel about Elizabeth, who is currently pregnant with John, the Baptist, uh, and she conceived miraculously um, because that same angel Gabriel came to her husband and to her and told them that she was going to conceive a child, though she is barren. And so she has this miraculous conception, as well as Mary, who in the story just before this gospel reading um, had the angel Gabriel come to her in what we call the Annunciation and tell her that she is going to give birth to the Messiah, that his name will be Jesus. And she tells him, and Gabriel tells her that uh, her relative, Elizabeth, is also pregnant and in the sixth month of her pregnancy. And so we have this amazing interaction between Mary and Elizabeth. And so Jackie's point is going to be first. So this is from Jackie. My point is about how we have this whole passage of female voices. Our society has been built on a foundation of privileged male voices. But here in this text, we are left with only strong female voices. Both these women are not thought of yet to be incredible. And yet they are here right now to tell their truth. And we right now today are honoring their truth by learning from this passage. Mary is an unmarried pregnant woman. She should expect to be ostracized. But Elizabeth greets her with dignity. She doesn't follow social norms from this point because she knows from her own experience what it is like to be, ashamed, to be shamed. Elizabeth rises above and seeks to be better. This is what we are called to do. We don't have to fix everything, but we are called to rise above, to notice the injustice around us and not continue it. 
So I, I love the, the points that she's making there. Uh, one, about this really being um, this interaction between two people who normally would not have a voice, mm-hmm. um, both women, and marry an unmarried woman, like she said. Right. Um, but this, we have, they're both just, they're both just such strong, like, prophetic voices. Absolutely. And just such an amazing spiritual example to all of us. They're the ones who really know what is happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. And that's just, and that's kind of like a subversive theme, I think, in a lot of the Gospels, is that we have, like... Especially Luke. Yeah. Mary and Elizabeth bearing, like, being the first ones to witness to, like, Jesus and John and Jesus being the Messiah. Or Mary being the first to witness the resurrection. And then at the end, right? And that the women being the ones there um, to witness the crucifixion because the men hid. Right. You know? Yes. The Bible is, uh, as Jackie says in terms of, like, societally, the Bible also is full of male voices, male perspectives of those, yes. and was largely the canon of scripture was largely was pretty much entirely decided by male right, voices and edited, also. yeah yeah but that doesn't mean that there aren't still female voices subversive right. female voices in there and i think that says something about how powerful they really are yeah. because like through all of this sort of editing and revision and the men who are like matthew mark luke and john who are the ones writing it uh-huh. that even through all of that they're still shining through brightly, you know, and it's still subversive and it's still powerful in the face of all of this editing. Yeah. And I love what she says there at the end uh, about Elizabeth greeting her with dignity in Mm -hmm. the face of what should be ostracization because of her kind of social status, also her marital status, as well as her being pregnant. Right. Her condition. Yeah. And the idea that what Jackie says is that, um, she doesn't follow those social norms to ostracize her because she knows from her own experience what it is to be ashamed. Because, like, to be barren at that point, it's like, well, then what are you? You know, you're a woman without children. Like, what what good are you, you know? And I love that because it's it's like a a witness to how our own suffering and humiliation opens us up to compassion for other people. We know suffering, and we don't want to inflict that upon others. And these, like these, like social moral norms, start to kind of fade in the face of that gentle compassion we have for others. They just melt when right. we face it with dignity. Yeah, um, that kind of goes into my point. Um, it was very actually um, intertwined with that, but uh, I think it's very interesting how it's the things that were the point of their most like are the most shameful part of themselves, not necessarily with Mary, because um, this wasn't something that she experienced before she was pregnant with the Christ child, but at the time she would have been shamed for being unmarried and for being pregnant. And then um, Elizabeth as well for being so like barren and old and she doesn't really have much worth other than having children, you know? And so I think of the things... But these are the things that were their biggest blessing to the world, mm. you know, because it, she, it was such a it was the fact that she gave birth, even though she was barren. That was such a miracle. And that was so um, profound. And the same thing with Mary, that she gave birth, even though she was a virgin and unwed in these circumstances. And and that it would have been very easy for Joseph to leave her. It would have been a lot, I think, 
he could have quietly divorced her. It would have actually been somewhat the more graceful thing to do, okay. um, the more polite thing to do. But instead, he, you know, in, faced what he had to do. But um, it's kind of it says something about how, like, the things that were most shameful about their circumstances at that time, what were, were the things that brought the biggest blessing to the entire world. Right. That people for thousands of years have said their name, you know, or hundreds of years have said their names uh-huh. in praise uh-huh. for what they have done. And it's it's sort of like we, we are called to examine, you know, the kind of the things we're most ashamed of, whether other people like inflict that shame upon us, like in Mary's case, or that, or like our deeply rooted shame, you know, things that people might not know, things we've never, that I've never seen the light of day, uh-huh. you know? And we're not necessarily called to be like, okay, that's the biggest blessing. So I'm going to go do it. Cause, <laughs> but it's like, you have to look at it first. Yeah. You have to examine it, right. you know, because there's plenty of things in my life that it's like, Oh, that just surfaced. Let's push that down really uh-huh. dark uh-huh. away and never ever see anything or say anything to anyone. Like, you know, it's, we don't want to feel it. Let me just uh, stuff this in a closet real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to look at you. I don't want to feel you. I don't want to acknowledge you exist. Speaking to the deepest, darkest, what I would believe would be the most depraved parts of myself. Right. And then it's actually, wait, no, if I'm going to look, if, and there have been things in my life that I've examined and just had the courage to stare at. And it's almost like, like a Medusa in a way. It's like, you just have to look at it, you know, but you know, it's like just to, to, to observe it and to not necessarily throw any labels on it, but just, um, try to, be open to it in a way, you yeah. know, and like, and, and be able to, without throwing negative labels on it, maybe recognize how that could be the deepest source of potential for the Holy Spirit moving in our yeah. life because it is so deep and so dark and so deeply ingrained and so gripping that it has, it's almost like physics, you know, it's like this kinetic energy. It's there. It's like, how is it going to come out though? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Because I think those things are pregnant with Christ. Exactly. Like so it's recognizing that Jesus is there in those things. Right. Exactly. Jesus is in that pregnancy, which was the source of shame. Right. Or, well, I told you the story about the girl that had asked about, like, she, she, I mean, she always wore long sleeves. She's like, if I do that, pointing to the scars on my arms, am I depressed? Uh-huh. And I was like, do you do that? And she's like, yeah, but no one knows about it. Uh-huh. And... I was able to refer her to some of the mental health, free mental health services we have on campus. But it's like, she wouldn't have, I, I didn't know her at all. We were just studying the group. But, and I've always, like, when I was younger and I had just gotten them, like, I was like, oh, I want to cover these up. They're so ugly and disgusting. And people have insulted me because of my scars. But it's like, I thought to myself, okay, well, even if I do get tattoos or even if I do get laser treatments, I need to have some of them showing. Uh-huh. Because she wouldn't have asked anyone else that question you know yeah i didn't know her like i don't know if she knew my name actually yeah well that this kind of goes into the point i want to make um so my my the thing that i want to highlight is um mary's response to that thing that you just said uh so we're talking about like this transformation that is happening mary being like Mary and Elizabeth being lifted up from what they consider their lowliness and their like humiliated and ashamed estate, you know, mm-hmm. in the society, and how the these things that 
we would consider like our cultural liabilities and like the things that we are afraid of in ourselves are becoming the things that like bring healing to the world. And the thing that she says in response to that is, uh, my soul magnifies the Lord, mm-hmm. you know? And just, I just love that idea that like, it's, I think it's twofold. I think one is that when, when we like grow and transform and, and our like capacity to be with one another and be compassionate grows, God grows too. Like God's greatness grows through us. And there's this kind of like back and forth reciprocal relationship between our own growth and God's growth that we are both like evolving and transforming. And that when our capacity for gentleness with ourselves and the people around us grows, like God's greatness grows in the world too. And the other thing, thinking about Mary's soul magnifying the Lord, is that when we, when this kind of thing is cultivated in us, when we make time for that kind of transformation and awareness, and we suffer and we walk through that suffering, and it can lead to like a new kind of power in us, a new kind of healing, that we are able to magnify God, both to other people, but also also to ourselves. Mm-hmm. That like. Like with a magnifying glass, um, it may not be that it may it, it's like it's like our capacity to recognize God moving in the world grows. It's like we are able to see smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, like on the granular level, God oh. in other people, like God moving in things and situations. So, like the more. The more we can come to terms with our own, like humiliation, the the more human we can become. The more we can come to terms with our own, like guilt and fear and shame, and the things that we are ashamed of. The more that works in us, the more God works in us. The more we can recognize God in like smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller ways all the time. I like what you said about the magnifying glass because it's also. It, it just makes it more apparent to everyone else. And it's kind of through our interactions, as you said, in situations with certain people. So it's not just how God is working in other people specifically, but it's through engaging with one another. And it was she said this in response to Elizabeth because Elizabeth had greeted her with dignity. And it was only through that interaction where she was able to be given the space to say that and to and for Elizabeth to kind of receive the blessings of that magnification, if that makes sense. The Magnificat, see? Mm. There we go. <laughs> and so I think it just shows how, yeah, it's, it's we can make this so much bigger than it appears to be. Mm-hmm. So we have three points. Um, the first point was Jackie's, and it was about the power of having these strong amazing female voices in this gospel lesson and the power of the compassion that uh, can be cultivated in us when we are humiliated and when God works through our shame and guilt and suffering. Uh, Following from that was the second point, which was Maya's, which was how those places of shame and fear and suffering in us, those dark places in us, are actually the places of our greatest potential and growth 
and the places that God is working through us to bring forth Jesus into the world, where Jesus is and is our job to kind of engage with those in the dark and recognize them. And this, the third thing was mine about how when we engage in that process and work through that process, what is cultivated in us is an ability to see God um, present in more and more and more places in the world and the people around us in smaller and smaller and smaller levels. So I'm going to read the gospel one more time. And after having heard that conversation, see if you hear anything different this time through. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. All right, so that's our episode for this week of Advent 4. We hope everybody has a very merry and joyful Christmas on Tuesday and a joyful Christmas season, remember, which is the 12 days after Christmas. So uh, we will be back in your podcast feed next week on the first Sunday after Christmas, uh, the first Sunday of the Christmas season. Um, We hope that uh, you all have a good week. Uh, Make sure to go check out all of those faith to go resources at www.myfaith2go.org. Send us an email to faith2go at stpaulcathedral.org with any questions, comments, or stories. Make sure to rate and review the podcast to help other people find it. And check us out on Instagram at faith2go. Until next week, say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye.